0: Hello and welcome to Broader View. Broader View is a podcast that explores a fresh, modern approach to current issues around sexual health and lifestyle told through personal stories and experiences.
1: When I
2: had one I was 16. My dad didn't talk to me for seven months. We can't just say, oh, that person's had a baby at 15, you know, their life is over. Just the fact that they were able to
0: believe in me when I wasn't in a position to believe in myself made a
3: real difference. Hello, my name is Morel Harris and I am an NHS clinical nurse specialist in sexual health and contraception. My passion for this podcast is to raise awareness, remove stigma and create understanding to give you a new perspective on a variety of sometimes controversial subjects, teenage pregnancy, sexual orientation and gender topics which are not always commonly talked about. In this episode of Broader View, we'll be exploring the impact of teenage pregnancy on the lives of young people and their families. We'll be hearing from young parents who tell us their inspiring stories, from a leader dedicated to creating a safe space for young families, and I'll be talking to frontline professionals and experts such as Mitch Denny, a midwife from Brighton and Sussex University Hospital.
2: I'm the young person's midwife for BSUH. I was formerly the teenage pregnancy midwife. I've done this job for, I think, I, I always say 12 years, but it may even be 13 years. And at that time, there was a high rate of teenage pregnancy. And what we discovered recently, that that rate has gone down, well, we know that the rate's gone down, it's the lowest in the UK for 20, 25 years. <laughs> Can
1: shoes. And put the shoes back in the bucket? I'm Ellie, and I'm 18.
3: And you have two children, yeah. and what are their ages? Uh,
1: Roman, who's seven months, and Ronnie, who's two. How
3: have you found the whole experience?
1: Not as hard as what I thought it was going to be. Uh, with Ronnie, it was a bit difficult. It's getting more difficult now, just his, just the way his age, the way he's growing up, and obviously with Roman, it's difficult to kind of do the both at the same time. I've had nothing really that's made me think like I shouldn't do this or but yeah.
3: And what do you think has helped make it a positive experience that and it hasn't been so hard?
1: I'm not sure really. Just watching them both develop and see what's, what's next. Like for Raymond at the moment obviously he keeps trying to crawl so when he starts crawling it's like oh it's another thing he's achieved.
4: No worries, the main thing you're here. <laughs> Do you a, a drink or anything? I'm dying. I'm Kieran, so I'm an early years educator. I've uh, been doing this role for six years now. A background is working in mental health with adults and then nursery work as well. And have been running this group for just over a year now. I just think a lot of young people don't have a lot of positive um, role models in their life so coming to a group like this, although it's for an hour and a half, it's just a, a nice environment They can gain any advice or support in a really confidential way and in a relaxed manner as well. There's no, they're not going to get referred to social services or anything like that. They actually come here, ask me a question oh, I just give them to them on a one-to-one basis and then as long as they don't feel any concerns or anything then I don't need to take any further or anything. My name is Dana and I'm 19 years old. What would
3: you say has worked?
4: Um all my antenatal appointments, they always made sure that I was fit and healthy. Um, anytime I had high blood pressure or protein in the urines, they always sent me up to the hospital. So they were really good with making sure my health was in check and my babies. So I thought that was quite good actually.
2: I think it's really important to have a lead professional. Now I'm obviously gonna say it would be a midwife (laughs) but I think it is really you have to invest a lot of time and energy in developing that relationship and the difficulty is that that person yes they might need midwifery care but you've got to sort out Other things or not sort them out but help them through that difficult time that may be accommodation it may be family dynamics it may be lots of other things about getting what you know are they getting enough money to eat properly so you have to unravel that and that's important but definitely having a group of people if not just one person helping them through that and not judging them but you know a lot of people would say to me that um, you know the young women like coming to see a midwife during pregnancy, but I have to invest a lot of time in getting people to to that appointment. So you've got, you know you use what you have to engage, like texting and uh, not being judgmental if someone doesn't come. Because, you know, one day they might have a midwifery appointment and it's really, really, I think is really important. They probably think it's really important, but something happens with their benefits and therefore their priorities change, even hour by hour. So I think you have to be really flexible um, and non-judgmental and um, kind of really have a certain personality to engage. If I didn't have Mitch as a midwife, um,
1: she actually kind of helped me quite a lot, obviously because I had like anxiety and stuff as well. I had always had more appointments than Mitch and probably what I should have done. Like I saw her like twice a week. Um, She kind of had like a big help on what what to do next. And then when I had the family nurse as well, that was helpful. I've got a younger brother uh, who's five. So obviously when I was growing up, I sort of, I was about 11, 12, kind of, so I sort of knew how to look after baby, but obviously the family nurse helped with a lot within, like, exactly how to look after the baby. They literally taught you step by step. Um, but as soon as I'd had Ronnie, it was kind of everything that's come to you kind of anyway. So, yeah, it was a lot easier with everyone's support.
3: I wanted to talk to Joelle, founder of Primface, a website and network dedicated to young parents. To hear her experiences on reflection of being a teenage parent. Joelle is 38 and has a son at university who is 21 years old.
0: I became pregnant when I was 16. It was quite a shock. Um, On finding out I was pregnant I I felt pretty numb, I didn't really know how to feel about it. I didn't think I was the kind of girl that would get pregnant as, as a teenager and I didn't think other people expected that of me either. And I thought other people would be shocked and disappointed. And so I didn't really know how to feel about the situation. Um, And I didn't know what I was going to do at all. I remember um, a few girls at school had got pregnant and had promptly disappeared. And so I kind of thought that that's what happened, that you dropped out of education when you became pregnant, because that's all I'd seen before. The first person that I told was my college tutor. I went into college to explain to her that I would have to leave college because I was pregnant. I'd just started um, A-levels at sixth form and assumed that I'd have to drop out. She gave me a hug and basically made me feel that things were going to be okay and that I didn't need to leave college. Um, She would support me to stay on. And that was exactly the kind of response that I needed at that
2: time. Some colleagues would say I don't have lots of boundaries, but I have very particular boundaries. Um, young women can, can text me eight to eight um, every day of the week. I don't work seven days a week. But I wouldn't answer the phone at two in the morning. And so... I might go on till 8.30, but I'm very clear what I'm there for. I'm not there to, um, you know, sort their family life out. I can signpost them to different places. I'm not an expert at everything. I have sometimes, um, a couple of years ago, I've had a, a couple of girls that text me all the time, mm-hmm. and I and, and then if you don't answer within 10 minutes, where well, they will write question mark, which for a professional that's really difficult, but for a young person that's normal yeah. to say that. So you have to sort of understand that That I'd get a little bit offended if a colleague did that to me, but I would explain, I just say, I'm really sorry, I, I was in a meeting.
3: Joelle explains how one person's encouragement have such a positive impact on how you feel.
0: My tutor also encouraged me to talk to my parents um, as soon as possible. I was petrified about telling them and she reassured me that um, it was best to tell them. And, um, of course, she was right and um, my parents were super supportive. The first thing my mum said to me was um, that I was good with kids because I'd done my work experience a whole week, I think, at um, a nursery. So... She really tried hard to be positive for my sake and having those key people around me to give me that support at that time was really important and just the fact that they were able to believe in me when I wasn't in a position to believe in myself made a real difference.
5: Here, do you want this one? Are you going to give this one to Ronnie? No? Well, that's not very good sharing, is it? <laughs> they mine. <laughs> I'm Sharon and I'm 20. I was 17 and then I just turned 18 after I had a. Obviously it's quite overwhelming, but at the same time it's a good thing because like your life, your life just changes. Like when you have a child, all your other friends are doing like other things and you're like at home like with your baby. I also um, suffered with anxiety as well, so like, I was just always at home anyway. So, yeah.
3: so you found that sort of having a purpose at home was something that was quite positive?
5: Yeah, was, like keeping me occupied and taking my mind
3: off it. Did you get any support from friends?
5: Uh, it was more mostly my mum and my sister. Yeah, and they still do now. Do you live
3: with No,
5: no, I live on my own, with Kira. Yeah, people do judge young parents quite a lot. But then, like, I've realised, like, when I'm on the bus, some people look at me, like, and sort of smile. Like, once I was singing songs to Kira on a bus, and, like, an older person said, oh, like, it's nice to see some, like, a parent singing to their child instead of being on their phone. So it is quite nice, but obviously... Yeah,
0: people do judge quite a lot. I completely fell in love with my son the moment I saw him. And it was so different to how I felt when I was pregnant. Because being a pregnant teenager, you're constantly aware of the, the judgment, the way people are looking down at you. You're kind of seen as a bit of a, a failure and... Telling people that you're pregnant is like telling people that there's been an awful car crash. You either get the kind of disapproval or the sympathy, which is just as bad, but neither expression is very positive.
1: If you had a baby young, everyone would be like, oh, you're not going to go nowhere, you're not going to do anything. Whereas now I think it's a bit more easier to kind of... Not easier, but, like, to have a baby and actually do something.
2: I think sometimes... Young women, they I mean, the young women I look after sometimes come to me and they're very underconfident and they've had not very great experiences in their life and therefore they think they are being judged. But sometimes, and we know this from experience of life, is that someone will look at them in the street and they might be pregnant, but it's not always about their age. It could be because they just look very... Yeah. Well, also, they might look very beautiful yeah. and they might look very positive and or yeah. someone's thinking, oh, gosh, that person is young, but doesn't she look radiant? And I yeah. look at young women
3: That's in life
2: mm. um, and I notice... Uh, young women who are pregnant because I do this job and so I might be on that person um on that bus that that looks at them but it wouldn't be necessarily judging them and I think if we're worried about something ourselves we're more likely to think the worst thing that people are looking at us for but actually it's not the case so I don't know I'm not really sure that the, pub, the public are as kind of judgmental as we think.
4: It's honestly the most difficult thing. <laughs> adjusting to it all, because I, had, I kind of had to miss my antenatal classes due to uh, mental health, and obviously I didn't know anything about a baby. <laughs> so I've just been given this human, and I was like, what do I do? <laughs> yep, and now I go home. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, um, but... Because obviously I had pre-eclampsia, I had to stay on the ward for a couple of days. So they made sure that I was getting the right care and that I knew what I was doing.
3: Were they supportive with breastfeeding? Was that- um, I, couldn't,
4: I couldn't breastfeed, unfortunately. Milk wasn't there. And when it did come in, it was really bad quality. So, But the lactation consultants were really helpful with trying to encourage more breast production, but wasn't happening.
2: I usually do four antenatal classes, so I uh, will get someone who's had, who's breastfeeding, someone who's had a normal birth, someone may have had a very long, difficult birth, maybe a cesarean, von or whatever. It's inspirational if you. I had a girl last week who came to talk about her birth, but she was breastfeeding. And she her baby was uh, I think it was just about nine to twelve weeks, and uh, she got the baby on the breast, and that has the biggest message to, to for me to sit there doing uh, sort of doing the class, and someone is is doing the breastfeeding in front of young women and young men. Why is the
3: uptake low, considering it's cheap it's free it's, um,
2: <laughs> it's a really interesting thing, but you have, you ask any woman in their 30s, tw- late 20s, 30s, 40s. It's hard to breastfeed. We live a very, very busy life and you've got to have great commitment and it takes a lot of investment in the first few weeks to get it right as you're learning. And we live in a very sort of quick society that if it doesn't, things don't work, you just move on. And for young women, that is the commitment and, uh, you know, the tiredness, the being the only person to be able to feed that baby so in in the antenatal period we talk about lots of other alternatives because some women just will not want to breastfeed so i get young women at 36 weeks pregnant and they can express small amounts and and freeze it in their um, fridges and it's not. It's again. It's about being non-judgmental and, and 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 offering them alternatives. Because if you said to them, well, you can't breast or bottle feed as a combination, they would probably bottle feed. Yeah. So you've got to if you can engage them in maybe expressing a little bit in pregnancy, maybe seeing what they really want to do. They're more likely to do really what you're promoting. But you've got to do it in. For, you know, listen to them, because um, no-one likes to be told what to do.
3: I spoke to Ellie on how becoming pregnant as a teenager impacted on her family life.
1: When I had Ronnie, I was 16. My dad didn't talk to me for seven months, practically the whole pregnancy. It went to the end that he'd start talking to me. Um, my mum was a bit like, I can't really not talk to you, but I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> um, so she was just really shocked, yeah. Uh, but my mum kind of understood a bit more, because she had me when she was 18. Right. So she kind of understood a bit more. But I think my dad was just like, too shocked. Um, was your dad 18 as well? Yeah. <laughs> no um, but, because my, my I'm the only child that my dad has. So right. he only like, for him that was like a really big shock. Right. Um, but he got, he got over it. With Roman it wasn't too bad. He had a go at me for about a week, two weeks and then was talking to me again.
3: Do you think that he thought, gosh, it's really hard and I want her to... She's got so much uh, potential that well, might stop it. he did say it. To me
1: that he didn't want me going through what he went through. But I think now he's seen, like, how well I do and how I look after them. Like, he just doesn't... He just says, oh, like, you're doing better than what I thought you would do, stuff like that.
3: What about if they want to then have second pregnancies, third pregnancies? How does that... It- what would you think that affect? their
2: relationship with their child or the family dynamic a lot of young women choose to have babies or they might have got pregnant without planning it when they were young but i have to always remember that you know sometimes women want to have they want to have children And if you are someone who is 30, they would say, well, I ideally want to have a child within the next couple of years. I don't want a big break. And I sometimes think we forget that when people start young having their families, they want to have their families within a sort of time limit. And therefore, a lot of young women will go on to have other children because they choose to. If you have had a mother or a sister that's had a baby young, you're more likely to have a baby young, and that's just because it's that's the way in your family or your heritage. Yeah. And so it's really hard to change that. but what we want to do is give people the right message that you know if they wanted contraception, how it, you know it, you can signpost them to get good contraception, good sexual health, and give them options. But you know if your mum and sister, are fine and they've had two children by the time they're 21 or whatever, who are we to judge Absolutely. that that's not the yeah. right thing? It might not be our, all our options, what we, what we would do, but that is in their family. So then you've got to think about that. Yeah. Um, We've got, you've got to look about your aspirations. You know, I wasn't, when I, I suppose we can all look back and I was 18, I would not have wanted a child. That was my belief. I wanted to go and train and become a, midwife, a nurse and then a midwife. But you know, that might not be for everybody. No. And they might have careers later in life.
0: I went back to college. So my tutor arranged for me to go back part time to finish off an A level. And then she helped me to apply for the local university which accepted me with my 1A level and 2AS levels. And studying fitted in really well with having a young child. I found you have the flexibility um, to study around your child and I had the time as well to be at home and to go to um, groups with my child and I think I benefited and my son from me having that time with him but also the time to, to be myself as well as a student. I've
1: left school after my GCSEs. Um, Then I went to college and studied Apprenticeship Scheme. Then I went back to college again and studied Level 1 Mechanics. I'm just going back to college again soon to just finish off the rest of my GCSEs. I'm probably going to go back to Mechanics, um, but I do want to eventually get all my GCSEs, and I do want to get my A-levels as well. Um, So I'm just kind of leading towards
5: doing all of that. I had my last maths exam, like. 3 days after I had her and I went in for it and everyone was like oh my god like what are you doing you just had a baby like go home <laughs> I was like, no I want to do my last mass exam. i am just started nursery i'm i might like look into going back to college cuz i've done level
0: 1 and 2 so like i want to like do level 3 uh child care i started working full time um, when my son was 7 and i remember they did some particular work around young parents where they had um, peer workers who supported them Who had also been young parents themselves And I hadn't seen anything like this before I hadn't kind of met up There were no young mums groups or anything when at that time So I was intrigued by this idea Of young parents supporting other young parents And I remember um, going into work one day And there was a poster on the wall that said Respect to young mums My reaction to seeing that was kind of surprised that they could put that on a poster. And it sounds awful now to look back, but it was so different to the narrative that I was used to hearing and was constantly aware of that being a young mum was something, a teenage mum, was something to keep quiet about. It was kind of shameful and embarrassing. So to have on a poster that young mums should be respected... Um, I was taken aback by it. I kind of realised that it was something that I was interested in in terms of the views that people have around young parents, and also wanted to to understand more about kind of how young parents do kind of deal with that. So I started to do a masters part time while I was working. In social research and I interviewed women between the ages of 28 and 50 I think it was about their stories and and um, their experience of being a teenage mum and then developing a career around being a mum and for each of those young mums they develop their own kind of pathways because there are no clear pathways for how you develop a career after having children there's an assumption that Everybody does it the right way round, supposedly, which is to build your career first and then have children, maybe have some time off, go part-time. But you've already established a career before you have children. When you have children first, it's a bit different. And each young woman kind of worked it out for themselves. And it wasn't easy and there were barriers but everyone had got round it and worked out
2: themselves what worked for them. Recently, I was in a supermarket and a mother of a, a daughter I looked after, came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, my daughter's just gone into to train as a physiotherapist. And she was 15 when she had a baby, who was truanting from school because she got bullied. And you've got to look at the long-term thing. We can't just say, oh, that person's had a baby at 15 you know, their life is over. It's about looking forward, Mm. because often some women would want to have an education later on, and it's to understand that that might be right for them in the future. But, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. It's looking at the, you've got to look at the the broader picture, the bigger picture.
3: I asked Ellie what advice she would give to a young parent.
1: Parent how you would want to parent. Because um, there's a lot of like advice and stuff that I've had of, issue, Um of like older people, um, and even some health visitors to be honest with you, who are like, oh, like you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Then you talk to someone else, and oh, it's fine to do that. Or um, so I'll just say, like, parent, how you'd want to parent um, if you had any problems or whatever. Get more than one person's opinion on it.
3: There appears to be a welcome and overdue shift in attitude from generations gone by. We are moving away from a stereotypical assumption that being a teenager and pregnant is a negative thing. We also discovered how important it is to have that one person by your side who really believes in you. A life mentor that makes all the difference. If you've been affected by any of the issues in this episode of Broader View, or you simply want to share your story, please contact us on broaderviewpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on social media at broaderviewpod.
0: You've been listening to Broader View, presented by Morel Harris, written by Morel Harris and Penny Bell, and edited by Miles Myersko harris Broader View is a WBBC production. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.